This episode comes at an unprecedented time. We're currently dealing with tens of thousands of deaths across the world from a pandemic that has forced all of us into lockdown, to self-isolate, and even once we're allowed to leave our homes past the reasons for shopping for food and an occasional exercise, things will be different, fundamentally different, until we get a vaccine. I think this episode is timely because it speaks about what it's like to readjust to normal life. It speaks about the power of friendships. It speaks about figuring out love languages. And for those of you in relationships, whether platonic ones or with your family or relationships of a romantic nature, you're going to have to do more work to figure out what your partner's needs are in order to avoid future arguments. Tonight's episode is with a good friend, Amina Majid. I reconnected with Amina after 10 years of not seeing each other at a farewell party of a really good friend of mine. I quickly learned that Amina has many hidden talents. One of them is recognizing a species of bird just by listening to its call. She spent an extended period of time living in the rainforest. She's got multiple interests, everything from creating lipsticks to belly dancing. And she speaks about her journey, her academic journey her professional journey, her personal journey, making friends and making relationships work. We discuss the value of friendship and love languages and the importance of having interests outside of your day-to-day life. We also speak about her readjustment to the so-called real world or the urban metropolis that we live in called London. That readjustment period was a tough one. It was a tough one. Imagine living in a rainforest with rare species, without light pollution, without all the noise, without all the interference from other individuals. Buckle up, because there's a lot of wisdom packed into this one. And without further ado, here's Amina. Three, two, one. And we're live. So I kind of want to change direction a bit i kind of want to speak about your passions because you clearly have a lot of them um take it in any direction you want but let's start with your travels Mm -hmm. tell me about your most exciting travels tell me about how you ended up spending time in the rainforest recognizing up to 40 or however many bird calls that's fascinating so let's hear a bit about that so as i mentioned before i studied animal biology and conservation and given that I studied, um, I struggled getting good grades, I came across this company called Operation Wallacea and they're, they're a company that you can do expeditions with and do volunteering work abroad, um, helping them do conservation work. And if you're a university, university student um, planning to do a dissertation in your final year, they um, can help you with it. So what it is, is you, you go, to um, a chosen country and you help them collect conservation work but you're and they help you with your uh, dissertation research so it's a you we help each other and the only reason why I initially showed interest in doing it was because I wasn't getting the I wasn't getting good grades in university either unfortunately because 
even though I was passionate about animals and conservation and I found it really interesting uh, academically it was really challenging again it was very science orientated again so when I saw the reviews and realized if I do a dissertation with this company I'm gonna get a really good grade on my dissertation because um, the, the amount of help and guidance you get I was like convinced right I'm gonna get a good grade this will make up this will help me get a good degree so I did it to basically save save like save my grade in a way or not that I was failing no I just did it so that I don't get a bad grade um I never thought oh my god it's so cool I'm gonna travel I'm gonna do all this really cool stuff I didn't really know what was out there other than Oxford <laughs> um so I thought okay I'm gonna do this and then um I remember calling them thinking right where am I gonna go what should I do and then they said to me why don't you do your dissertation on um, bird calling and um, like bird observations and they said the re and the reason why I chose it was because again I didn't want to be working during the day when it's really really hot and with bird calling you can only do that first thing in the morning as sun just before sunrise because that's when the birds wake up so like tweeting away so I did it based on convenience that's why I chose my project on birds so it was either gonna be birds or bats because bats that's at night so I chose it based on when the sun isn't beaming. So I was like, cool, yeah, bring it on, whatever. Like, I didn't even think too much into it. So I booked it, went, and then I got there, and that's when it hit me. Oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? I just signed up for this hiking expedition where I'm living in a rainforest, and I have no, like, internet or contact with the rest of the world and i'm with a bunch of strangers i've just met who are also on the expeditions from different universities with the same um goal and the funny thing is it's like probably the one of the look now like i can tell you even then i knew it is one of the best things i've ever done in my life and it was it was the first time i really threw myself in my comfort zone so university was one thing but a tropical rainforest on the other side of the world, that's some next level out of your comfort zone. Your your diet, what you're given to eat is completely different. Your sleeping arrangements is completely different. Your lifestyle is completely different. Everything is different. The only thing that was normal to me is just having people around you that you're like, that you're going to call fr your friends for the next six weeks. And thank God we got on so well we were a great group and we got like a house of fire until this day we still try and organize like catch up reunions and that's basically how i developed the travel bug so that basically gave me the confidence to travel and be like right i can do anything now <laughs> um and my based on my dissertation alone i had to memorize probably about up to 40 to 50 bird calls so if a bird um so if, if i could if, if there was a bird that was just about to whistle away depending on the sound i'll tell you okay that's that's a, for example a toucan a toucan is a common bird in indonesia and i had my own ways of uh, detecting it so toucans funny enough sounded like a dog that's just my opinion they sounded like a dog barking honestly i thought it sounded like a dog barking this bird so when i heard it i was like oh okay yeah that's a toucan because it's going honestly it sounded like woof woof <laughs> yeah so that was just the way i learned some bird calls it's like oh this bird sounds like that this bird sounds like that and you can never hear them no no sorry you can never see them you can just hear them 
and then later on when you when you're going through pictures and documents you're like oh that's what it looks like oh that's what it looks like and unless you have like really good binoculars then you can sometimes see the birds from far far away um and it's just amazing because you never think you can learn all these bird calls i never call myself a bird caller and i've never done bird calling since it was just in those six weeks i was a bird caller and i was on a small island called Sulawesi, where the species on that island were endemic so they were species that you would you would not find anywhere in the world and what made them really rare and unique was that this island so this was between australia and indonesia so these birds they must have this island must have been you know when you learn geography and like countries break into smaller pieces along the years so these birds were a mixture of species you find from australia and indonesia but they had changed so much that you wouldn't be able to they wouldn't be able to um can what's you know when two birds <laughs> mate yeah so they won't be able to mate with other birds from an, for example from australia so you wouldn't have cross species is that what yeah you would not have cross species okay. because they changed so much over the years and they were only like they can only mate within each other now right so they were so very unique so if you were to tell me oh what's that i'll be like i don't know because in england the birds here are completely different but obviously we all know what a pigeon sounds like and what a crow sounds like and what a seagull sounds like we know the basics but it's it's that's that's how red unique was and another th- and another really amazing moment was that we we went into this cave trying to look for this owl and i think it was called the Sulawesi owl which is the name of the island i was and only a hundred people or less than a hundred people in the world have seen it and as we were walking to this cave this big white owl you can say it's a bit like a harry potter owl but bigger it just flew out really quietly and gracefully and no one saw it except me because i was the only one looking and then I quickly like tapped the um, the other bird callers in my group. I was like, oh my God, look, it was gone. And they're like to me, they, they were in disbelief. They're like, are you sure you saw it? And I remember one person even um, did a drawing and said, okay, this, did you, can you believe it? it was one of the bird callers drew an, an like an, a simple owl just to confirm I know what an owl looks like. <laughs> he, he just couldn't believe that I saw it. I was like, yes, I know what an owl looks like. I promise I saw it. And I was told, like, you know, only probably a hundred people in the world have seen this. And I, I just, it's such a special what was that moment. Like? I felt, I felt like a celebrity. I was like, yeah, bring yeah. it on. I, I got rubbish A levels, but woo, I've seen this owl in your face, kind of thing. Joke. Right. That's my. Not a joke. Yeah. It was such a special moment because you imagine you'll you'll spend all this time hiking. Oh, we were hiking to different camp spots as well. So you spend all this time hiking, getting muddy, getting really like dirty, and then it, all your hard work pays off, and it's just a special moment. And it was so quick; I didn't even get a picture, but it's just—it's a memory I'll never forget. And I've got pictures of me standing in the cave, but you can't see anything because it's dark. Are there any pictures of the owl available online? Yeah, one of them's my Facebook picture, my my cover picture. It's just—it's just me standing in a cave, and I think I even said in a cave far, far away. Nice. Um, but what of the owl? Has anyone captured the owl? Are there any not that I remember. Do you know what? Maybe there might be someone out there's got a picture, but no one that I was with got a picture. That's that's what I remember. Mm. And then the next day, the same group, um, they were so passionate about seeing this owl, so they went again to find the owl, and I didn't go with them the second time because um, they just went during their free time because I think I just wanted to have my lunch or something. Right. <laughs> and then they came back and they're like, "Yeah, we saw it." So they were really really happy. 
because the, the people who went to go see it they imagine they're passionate birders and they've been doing it their whole life and here i am like out of nowhere just learn all these bird calls in one go have no interest or no knowledge about birding and i came i, I kind of stole their thunder in a way but obviously it was, it was funny it wasn't like a personal um bad thing but it's just it was just ironic you can say so there was a lot of moments like that and the challenging thing about that was just the hiking i just going going uh, uphill and doing really steep hikes i've never done something like that before in my life where i'm hiking and my shoes are getting um my feet are getting wet and then you know uh, it's, and then uh, at night i'll be sleeping in a hammock in like in the middle of the jungle in it's just, it's such a simple form of life and it was probably one of the best things i've done and I would do anything to go back to do that again because it was the most therapeutic thing and it was okay I had a, when I came back to England I think I fell into depression because I came back to the city life and I wasn't I, the silence was killing me and not being around the sounds of the jungle it was like music to the ears and um i really really realized how important nature is and i think we've all we don't really know that you need it it's therapy it's it's so good for the mind it's so good for the soul just to be in a forest environment and i think it probably stems from an evolution in neural um evolutional point of view because if you think about humans like we didn't start we the world didn't start off with all these buildings built and cars built it started off probably people just living in a simple way and i think it's just that's just the best way to live and ever since i've just been trying to do more things where i'm around natural settings so being around the water really ca- makes me feel calm just hearing natural sounds like animal sounds or just i don't know this is it was just really amazing and that i think that's well that was a big turning point in my life i i changed the most i i appreciated nat uh, natural things i i was a lot i i i don't I, just, I stopped caring about materialistic things i didn't even care how i used to dress or how i used to look anymore especially when you're living in a rainforest and you haven't seen yourself in a mirror for six weeks um, and I, and my skin was amazing. It was glowing. I was drinking so much water. I was eating healthy food. I, I was having showers in the streams where, obviously, there's pros and cons to everything. So there were, um, what's the word? Is it leeches? Yeah, those, those leeches everywhere. And it, it sounds really gross, but you just become so. It becomes at first you're like whoa, and then it becomes really normal. And the leeches there were tiny, and it becomes so normal. Oh, there's a leech on my skin. Oh, just flick it off. And then there could be a snake anywhere. There could be big spiders everywhere. But you just, you're just, you're so taken back by the beautiful, um, like, trees and, gosh, it doesn't sound, it sounds so sim, it doesn't sound great, but it is. It does sound great. I just the sounds of a rainforest and just the sound of a stream, can have such a good men uh, men like effect on your mental well-being so when i came back and i even read it somewhere actually someone told me that 
when someone spends a lot of time in natural like nature settings they actually get depressed because they have to uh, get used to being back in the city life again so it's not it wasn't just me it's an actual thing when you when i came back to london i was like what is this life what what i i i didn't like it i was like i don't like this life i don't like this western world where there's cars and cities and i don't like it i was like i want to be in a rainforest living like um pocahontas i was pocahontas <laughs> so the, the japanese have a term uh called forest bathing and the idea is that people who are feeling depressed uh, can alleviate some of that depression by spending time in nature mm-hmm. and the idea was also that a lot of depression especially if you're living in a city environment stems from this kind of disconnect that we have this evolutionary disconnect that we have between us and nature and trees and streams and an overstimulation from cars and applications on our phone and all of that I'm just curious when you first moved out there what was it like being alone with your thoughts yes you were with people but you mentioned you didn't have a mirror for six weeks and you have to navigate all these other things and you kind of get used to the external you get used to the leeches you get used to the spiders but what is it like just having quiet and you're kind of alone with your thoughts and i can imagine that mustn't that although it's peaceful it must have been quite tough at times so being alone with your thoughts for a long time isn't the greatest thing from what not for me at least and being in the rainforest um because i was with such an awesome group i actually wasn't always alone but there were moments when i was but because i was because it was the first time i was in such a i was i was experiencing something so different i didn't mind being alone i it was therapeutic it was calm i felt very calm and i felt really relaxed and i remember when i would wake up every day i didn't wake up feeling oh i have to wake up i I actually felt excited to plan the future and think, okay, I'm doing this today. I, I wouldn't wake up feeling down. I'd wake up feeling a little bit excited or okay with life. And you can't put money on seeing stars at night. You can't put money by being around waterfalls and streams and just by walking past all these trees. You can't put money on it. And it's a, it's... It has so much positivity and cures like to mental well-being and you don't know i didn't know it was having such a good effect on my mental well-being until i came back and it it hit me you don't know how therapeutic it is and i would definitely recommend it to anyone if they need some time away or they're not in a good place just to just surround yourself in simple around simple things and just surround yourself in nature and funny enough, you know how I mentioned I was getting really bad grades in university. When I came back um, to my, when I came back to uni after this trip, I was assigned to do an assignment. The question of the essay was, "Do we need nature?" So there was no right and wrong answer for this, and there's so much you can say. Do we need nature? And I remember thinking, "Wow, I know exactly what I'm going to talk about," and I actually would love to read it out right now. What seems to be the problem? Dr. Lack asked me. Well, I said, I realise my biggest enemy is my thoughts, given I'm always trapped alone with them. I have been really stressed and anxious lately. I can't seem to concentrate and put my maximum efforts into my daily activities. I just don't see the point anymore and I always feel down. I don't feel like socialising with my friends or family anymore. I just isolate myself now. Dr. Lack looked concerned. 
Imagine the last time you didn't feel this way and actually felt the opposite. Pretend you're in the moment again and describe it to me. I stared at Dr. Lack with gleaming eyes. Memories slowly started coming back to me. I can still remember the sound of the constant flow of water suddenly taking over my thoughts. I don't remember what I was thinking about anymore. I can just hear this consistent sound like a ticking clock, except the sound is beautiful and even though it's loud, it's also relaxing. I'm looking at the stream, water is flowing and I can take my shoes off and walk barefoot, feeling the pressure of the stream mark its way through my toes. Trees. Trees are everywhere. You cannot turn or look somewhere without a tree being present. Someone smells a tree trunk. We all gather round. A whiff of the sweet lemony smell I inhale is all natural and phenomenon. As I get ready to sleep, I see the stars at night looking over me. I suddenly wonder, is this what it's like to be an ant? How beautiful and bright these stars are. And I can see them all covering the sky looking at me. I saw a shooting star for the first time. Make a wish? How can I? In this moment, what else can I possibly wish for? As I lay down in my hammock, swinging myself side by side, I pull out my mobile phone I bought with me to set alarms on to wake up. But then I'm suddenly amazed by how I cannot hear my phone make a sound. The sound of the streams take over. That's how powerful they are. I lay smiling in my hammock, falling asleep to my lullaby, the gushing water. Oh, how lucky am I to get to fall asleep to this every day. The jungle fowls wakes me up. It must be dawn. Oh, the beauty of the sounds of the animals showing off their vocals at this time. I begin my hike up this steep hill. I'm just walking on grass, soil and rocks. As I reach the top, I focus all my attention to listening to the vocal calls of the birds. The sun starts to rise in front of me and I can see the trees glimmering in the sunlight. I'm in a place where I'm usually covered in mud, missing out on a rich meal. Don't brush my hair or know what I look like anymore. Nature, just nature. You forget there is another part of this world where there are cars driving around, traffic lights, phone beeping, light bulbs shining. Here, however, I'm still alive and I use the sun to watch where I'm going and I use the stream to clean myself and I have the jungle fire to wake me up. This life is simple, but I'm smiling just thinking about it. As I finished speaking, Dr. Lack looked outside the window. All we could see was a tree and a few blue tits flying around it. He looked back at me and paused for a few seconds. Well, Amina, he responded, it's clear to me what the problem is. Did you know that scientists have found proof to suggest that nature can cause improvements in a person's general well-being? There have been many studies that have shown that natural environments can help improve a person's mental health. Here's a recent study done by Miller. If you would like to have a look, it shows how natural environments can promote better moods, attention and reduce stress and anxiety. I believe this is to be the case for you, Mina. Looking at the life you lived before you went to this place you described, your house, for example, it's run by the basic essentials, which is electricity, gas and a water system. There are a lot more things sitting inside this house that you most probably tend to use often, which is a laptop, TV and a mobile phone, which you would tend to carry around when you go outside. 
you probably didn't realise by putting all these things aside, you'll begin to see the true beauty of things that exist in this world that most people don't pay attention to. And from what you have just described, this was your first time spent in this tropical rainforest. I think you've definitely found yourself as a person and a home out there. And it's been a shock to your system to get your original lifestyle back. Clearly, you should be visiting places like these more often. You definitely need nature. Why don't you um, walk us through what you were thinking and feeling at the time of writing this amazing essay? I spent a lot of time writing this essay based on my actual experience. So I wrote about a typical day or just about what I'm doing. And I remember submitting it thinking, okay, you know, I tried my best. I've spoke the truth. <laughs> this is what nature is to me. Cool, whatever. And it ended up being the best grade I've received. It probably was the best grade in the whole class. I got an 80, like an 8-0. You can imagine the shock and the happiness. And that was the best grade I received in my entire life, okay? And it was a proud, proudest moment. And it's, and I've kept it. I still have it till this day. That's the only coursework I, I'm proudly keeping because, not because it's the best grade I've got, but because what I wrote about, I feel so passionate about it. And it was only worth 10% of my of that module but it was such a proud moment for me and because it's just i think my lecturer read it and relate and could relate to it and thought oh my gosh it is important it and and i do think that we do need nature and i don't think we t- we can temporarily live without it especially if you live the city you can temporarily live without it but with it it's what reminds you what this planet earth is and it's just it just reminds you that when i don't humans okay we are complex but we can actually we actually are simple we can be simple we want to be and if we try to be and it's it's simple it is simple things in life that bring happiness but don't get me wrong i like money too like it you know you know know, someone's gotta pay for a roof over (laughs) obviously i do believe money's important um but i do believe nature is just you can't put a price on it and it's probably one of the best things anyone can do is just surround themselves with nature if they if they can i think it's really interesting that you said you know we need money but having said that money doesn't have to come at the expense of nature and the comments that you made and potentially your essay are so relevant now because we have fracking we have an ocean quickly filling with plastic Mm -hmm. We have debates about, you know, uh, a warming planet. We have countries like Bangladesh, which are, you know, on the verge of being flooded and all sorts of other islands like Tuvalu and so on. And so now it's time for us to reconnect with nature. It's time for us to truly understand, you know, where all of this came from. So I do find your comments really inspiring and um, really interesting. I feel like the way you speak about nature, you can connect to it. Mm -hmm. I can connect much more to what you're saying than some report from the world economic foundation or wwf or any other kind of think tank or group so you know i know we spoke a lot about academics and 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 kind of placing a premium on grades but it's i don't know it's so important that we have people like you that can story tell and you know that can convey what it's like. I felt like I was in the forest with you, and mm-hmm. that was really cool. Um, this is a this is a stark shift. I know we're going to get kicked out of here very soon. <laughs> this seems to be a theme with all my interviews being kicked out of different <laughs> places. Um, 
tell me about belly dancing. How did you get into that? So in my secondary school, um, I had a lot of Arab- I had a lot of friends who were Arabic, and they listened to Arabic music. And nice. with Arabic music, um, it tend- you you can get a lot of songs that are that are probably really good for belly dancing. I, I was I fell in love with Shakira. I was like, oh my god, she's amazing. She's so talented. So it was it, it, that's how it started, and just for fun, like me and my friends would just just for fun we'll just like try and belly dance or just show really cool moves like the mexican wave on our tummy like oh like this is a talent and it's just really fun because it's another way to express emotion and it's fun and it and it's yeah you you know when you exercise you're replete you're releasing what is it serotonin or dopamine endorphins, endorphins yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's healthy oh. for the mind as well as physical but it's, it's always been a passion of mine and i just thought it was just a really awesome thing and then so I only last year or two years ago I thought let me actually take lessons rather than just doing it for fun alone or just for jokes with my friends let me actually take lessons so I can learn more or work on it and it's actually a skill and it's a lot more harder than you think it is it's not as okay it's not like a seductive sexual thing it's actually like a talent and it's actually really graceful if you want it to be so I do holistic belly dancing so in a way it's a bit like it's very therapeutic and it it's not all about shaking your bits. It's about just moving and different muscles that you've never moved before in, in ways you've never moved before. So it's just exercising different muscles in your body. And it's just, it's, it's, this might sound bizarre, but there's some moves that are, I consider ballerina, ballerina moves. There's some moves. I'm like, oh, this is like ballet. Um, it can be anything. You, and you don't have to like, and obviously when i'm when i'm when i'm practicing i'm just wearing normal gym clothes like you know i look like rubbish <laughs> but i just do it because it's fun and people always assume oh do you wear a costume or do you do this i'm like no it's not what you see when you go to a restaurant it's not just that right. there's a lot more to it um and it's not as easy as it looks my gosh like i just completed level three and i feel like i need to do it again <laughs> And I just I do it for me. I don't do it. No one's seen a video for me. I get a lot of people being like, "Oh, I want to see a video." I have zero videos because I'm so busy trying to learn it. I don't think to get my phone and record myself. But I do it for me. I do it because it makes me feel good about myself. And it's just a way to embrace um, something you're passionate about. And I would say it's a talent. Um, and anyone can do it. Um, you you can be any shape, any size again you don't have to have certain body parts <laughs> that are big no anyone can do it and it's just really fun um so yeah it's just something i've always been passionate i've always really enjoyed and felt passionate about it's just a really fun thing and it's it's yeah and because i love the music i love um like i was saying before i, I, I love like latino music anything with a good beat i'm there so it's not just belly dancing like, I, just, I just love dancing in general it's just a passion of mine like i really want to try profession- i really want to take salsa lessons actually i'm looking at beginner courses it's just yeah i i want to try new things that are fun but then also really uh, physically good for you because i find gym boring right. i've tried it i've gone through phases like yeah i'm going to gym i'm going to do weights i'm going to do dumbbells i'm going to do squats yeah I've, I've, I've gone through that phase and it's boring i love exercising oh i zumba that was a really great way to do physical exercises so for me it needs to be fun and it needs to be creative and you can't go wrong with a good beat you can't go with good good music (laughs) it just makes it more fun and you don't actually think you're exercising you think you're just having fun and that's the for me that's the best form of exercise when you don't even know that you're being hard on yourself right 
so yeah that's just a hobby of mine i'd say um but there's new things oh i also really want to try kickboxing that looks like fun i think it's a good way to let out steam just yeah. punch a bag right yeah or another person yeah yeah so yeah. rather than punching someone and getting arrested just punch a bag <laughs> yeah it hit someone in a controlled environment hit someone in a control yeah oh yeah boxing no no it's so um there's this thing called there's a company called co-box and i haven't tried it but i really want to try it and i think you're only punching um bags not people and it's really it's recommended it's got lots of good reviews and they make it fun they've got really cool music and it's like a nightclub setting with it's dark lights and colorful lights and you've got an instructor giving you really positive like yeah do this do that it's a full body workout and because of the reviews, I really want to try it. But when it comes to trying new things, it takes me a long time to actually do it because it's the whole, I need that. Once I've done the initial step of trying something new, then I can carry on. But until, until then, I'm like, ooh, should I? When should I do it? Because if I had to choose tomorrow to do co-box or do another belly dancing, I'll do belly dancing because I know where to go. I, I know what kind of people, I know the teachers. It's it's my comfort zone. Point myself outside of my comfort zone, That um let's say i can let's say it's procrastinating yeah but again like i just i like trying new things whether it's an activity or it's a workshop mm. fun fact i made a lipstick yesterday what? i went to a lipstick workshop i made a organic lipstick made my own shade which is pretty cool so no one in the world will have that shade exact shade okay. <laughs> that was really fun. yeah i just want to try new things um there's I'm, I'm i'm probably i'm looking to try some painting classes as well Again, like it's not just about learning. It's not just about learning. It's, it's about um, activities. That is a form of learning. Yeah, it's true. It's a form of learning. But what I meant is, it's not just about academics. Yeah. I think I just have such an open mind. I just like trying new things, or if, or it, like, or anyone around me. I like meeting new people, people who do different things to me, because I can hear about their experiences. So, like, I've told you all about the rainforest and my dissertation, and then, but I'm sure you've got so much things you can tell me that I, i've never done and i'd love to hear about it like i'm sure you've you've gone you've gone to cuba for example right, yeah. so i would love to hear all about it because it sounds like i probably would love it so i've got a bit of a traveling bug i've been to i've been to a lot of countries and that's something i'd like to continue doing yeah. when i'm on holiday <laughs> i love that i love that you you have a very infectious energy a really good vibe really positive energy i love how you've just kind of embraced it you've bounced back from what seems to be a tough time something that's still lingering in the back of your mind and i mean i mean we can talk about that off microphone i, I was gonna say off camera but there's no camera involved here um i apologize for the background noise for people listening there's some event going on what are you most proud of i'm proud i'm proud of my practical skills because it's led me to do these crazy what well, people might that's objective when i say crazy but it's led me to do these adventurous things so my proudest moment is surviving a rainforest and not giving up because um i was very close to giving up actually i i was struggling a lot to begin with because of the culture shock i mean change and i i didn't give up and that's probably one of the proudest moments when when i don't give up and i carry on doing something i'm struggling in and, and then and then you really, really feel the reward. So putting myself out there, and that's just by being, seeing what I have to offer that doesn't involve getting good grades. So even though I've struggled getting good grades, my proudest moment is now that I'm making use of the things I'm actually good at. 
which is yeah doing actually doing practical things and things that matter things that yeah things that matter so yeah i i don't beat myself up anymore for doing the wrong a levels for example i i met really awesome people i've made some friends for life from kingsborough high school and yeah and yeah. i just want to interject yeah. to those of you that are listening a levels are a point in your time <laughs> life is about the things that Amina's describing life is about knowing how to express yourself whether that be through words or through dance life is about showering in the rainforest life is about having the guts to to make your own lipstick and make your own sh- shade of lipstick and and live your life on your terms make your own lipstick guys and choose the shade and wear it proudly and that is a metaphor for life okay stop worrying about some stupid a levels or what some dumb teacher at university told you about your capabilities okay and go and watch sir ken robinson's ted talk about why our education system is outdated and it's geared for the industrial revolution and it's geared for kind of factory workers and not creating dynamic interested talented people that should and deserve to be confident in their talents life's a journey and I hope some of what you've heard in what Amina is saying helps you resonate, helps you go and go and chase your life. Be like Amina. <laughs> Bounce so back. Bounce back. Oh take a belly dancing course. <laughs> I don't know how accessible they are to guys, but take a belly dancing course. Guys, go and make your own lips- lipstick. It's fine. You don't have to wear it. Make it for a loved one, right? I am curious about what role does friendship play in your life you're clearly someone that invests a lot of time in their friends Um, you're someone that is very good at maintaining friendships you're someone that um, I often find makes the time puts the energy uh, finds cool things to do so yeah friendship is really important to me it was actually my friends that helped me get back on track and get me out of my low moment when I left the rainforest it's so one one thing that I know is that having someone to just be there to listen to you and just be and show support so even if they can't relate to you even if they can't help you it's just knowing that they care about you and it's just knowing that you've got the company and you've got the love as cheesy as that sounds um and i really and another reason why i probably really value friendship is because when times are hard or when when you're going through like i think a lot of times when i was young and our um, things weren't great i always like had a friend um, by my side and it, it diverses my um, thoughts and feelings and it's just the simple things that friends offer you which is pretty much putting a smile on your face and when you see that your friends are happy to see you as well it makes you feel even more better so it's just it's also a form of feeling validated as well and I'm the type of person who likes to help other people so if I know if my friends are feeling down, I always make it clear to them they can always come to me and that, you know, they know they have me and it's up to them if they ever want to come to me. But 
because I know, I know the f- positive effect having friend. What the positive effect about friendship it has on me. So I try and offer it. I try and do the same. I try and offer my friendship back and support. And a lot of times, my friends probably don't even realise how much they're helping me, because sometimes I could just be like to them, "Hey, let's hang out." And we'll have a great time, but they would have not known that I just had a massive, um, like, cry to myself or like something really dramatic just happened, and I might not want to talk about it. And just by spending time with them and laughing over silly things and teasing each other and doing something different is it, it? It's it's such a good um, impact on my on my mental well-being. So. It's what keeps me going in life, I would say, because that um, most things in life are pretty much temporary. So things come and go. So I've just learned to really cherish the friend, the friendships I have, because um, I have lost a lot of friends, and the friends I haven't lost, I'll like do, all I do is try and like, cherish it and maintain it, so I never lose it because it's it's honestly what keeps you going when the other when other things in life gets you and bites you like anything from losing a job um, experiencing a death in the family it's your it's it's friends that keep you going and when i say friends this also can involve cousins they can be like really good friends to you this also involves family as well um but yeah but with friends they tend to be in the same generation as you and like age category um so they can probably relate to you a lot more or, or like share the same interest it's not even really yeah like i said it's not relating it's sharing the same interest as you so you have someone to like do things with like for example watch a movie with or watch a tv series or discuss something that affects our generation so mm, that's all i can think of for now <laughs> I I really appreciate the fact, you know, you I think what you touched upon is the hidden value of friendship. And a lot of the time it's just a simple laugh or joke that we need to get us back on track. Um, you know, there's a lot of um, statistics, there's a lot of research to show that our generation is probably the most interconnected yet the most lonely generation. And uh, there's a lot to be said about that. Uh, in the UK, for example, and, and other Western countries, uh, the biggest killer of men under under 45 is suicide, uh, and that that is uh, becoming a leading cause of death in many uh, countries. And there is something to be said about having a tribe, having a uh, a close group of friends that you can confide in and, and exercise with, and cry with, and laugh with, and share moments with. And it almost feels like this discussion has, um, it, it, it's circular in some ways. We spoke about the, our evolutionary connection with nature. And in some senses, we have an evolutionary connection in terms of social groups, in terms of establishing tribes. Um, I want to quickly touch upon the, the friends that you've lost. Not to dwell on it, but tell me, in what were the circumstances that you've lost, you know, you feel that you've lost friends, um, and how did you deal with it? Hey, okay. 
So, um, I've I've lost oh I've lost <laughs> I've lost friends obviously in different ways. So one common way is that things just fizzle out and you lose touch. So a very common common way is when you're no longer in the same area. So I mentioned how I made a lot of international friends in my first year of university. So at one point they all had to go back to their countries and that was it. It was just the only way you can keep in touch is through social media, which is fine. And there's no hard feelings. Like I wouldn't say anything bad happened. It just meant you couldn't just knock on each other's door or just text them and say, oh, should we get some food or that the, the, the format completely changes the moment you leave the loca same location so I've experienced this a lot um, <laughs> the way I dealt with it <laughs> that sorry that that probably took a long time because uh, I tend to get attached quite easily and it's me who gets hurt more than the other friend unfortunately so I've seen so many people just get on with life as normal whereas I'm thinking whereas I constantly tend to reminisce on the great memories so one example is I, I spoke about how being in the rainforest was amazing for my mental well-being but another thing about being in the rainforest is that I was with a fantastic group of people so I can connect nature and friendship because I was in the rainforest having this amazing time and experience but a big part of that experience was with the group I was with so when I left the rainforest I also left these people who came from different parts of the world different parts of the country and it meant if we wanted to see each other again we had to really plan it and prepare uh, um, plan a, you know a reunion whereas before we were we went from seeing each other in the morning all the way through the night having dinners together going on hikes together to not seeing each other at all that hit that hit me hard and we only had like a facebook group to keep in touch and we'll all just be saying in that group i miss you we miss like we miss like we will just express how much we miss each other and we'll be reminiscing on pictures and then we have had like reunions and I remember being so excited to see them but and all we would do when we'll meet up during the reunions is just talk about the rainforest like we could not speak about our lives and what we're up to now all we did was talk about the rainforest it's an addiction I tell you that much it's an addiction anyone who meets me even if I wasn't like this goes to anyone not just the people I was with in the rainforest I I will mention how I lived in the rainforest anyone who meets me it will come up into conversation and if it doesn't come up in conversation it's because I didn't have enough time to tell them <laughs> but it's, it's it's a drug I can yeah so but it, it links with the friends um, it, it links a lot with friendship um, and I guess the only way I dealt, the, the only way I could dealt with it was just to accept that that time is over, <laughs> that that time has gone, and I all I can do is cherish it and embrace the memories. And you know, for the for a few years after I left the rainforest, um, I had to actually stop myself from thinking about it because every time I would think about it, 
if I think about it for a bit too much, I would start getting really sad because that time was over. So I actually used to try, train myself to not remember the rainforest, my experience in the rainforest. It's only now I can talk about it and not get upset because that's how much I miss it. So unfortunately, it takes me a long time to get over a loss because maybe it comes down to my extremely caring personality um yeah um but yeah i think just keeping yourself occupied and keeping keeping yourself giving yourself new things to do new hobbies healthy distractions help so going back to university for my final year and writing up my dissertation helped i met new people when i left the rainforest um who were on the same course as me so we formed our own little group and we would study together and that kept me going um, and just doing healthy activities like dancing I got into tea after I left the rainforest that became a bit of therapy for me so now I love I really enjoy a nice hot drink tea or a latte if anyone knows me it's very likely we will meet up in a coffee shop or if you come to my house I will serve you a cup of tea so you form new desires and it takes time they say time's a healer it is you just got memories with you and yeah i think you just said memories are more powerful right yeah so that's probably how i dealt with losing friends and then other times you lose friends it, it might be because something actually happened and I just keep telling myself it's for the best. I'm better. I'm better off without them. They're probably not a good influence on me. And there's a reason. There's a reason. You have to tell yourself there's a reason why um, your friendship's not the same anymore. And you have to. You have to be positive without hitting um, a low point. You have to ask yourself where you went wrong or if you made any mistakes and it's important to acknowledge your mistake put your ego aside just get to the raw detail put your hands and say okay this is what i went wrong and learn from it so you can try not to do it again and i think that's the best thing about friendship while you're in them or why you're or when they're over just to question yourself and know where you went wrong so um addressing your ego is actually really important and um, How do you yeah. address your ego? Tell me about that. Um, I cre uh, so I address my ego by by questioning how I feel deep down. So I forget about I don't think about what I my rights as a, or my or what I deserve. I just think about how I feel deep down. And I remind myself, look, this other person is a human being. They're not perfect, nor am I. That's probably how I address it. And I just tell myself all these, I have to remind myself all the positive things about the other person. If like we were to have like a falling out or something, I, you have to remind yourself people make mistakes. And if you're willing to admit it, I think that's, the, that's one way to, yeah put your ego aside I really like that response I, I think it's very holistic I think it's wise 
um, it shows a level of emotional maturity that quite frankly most people haven't developed and probably won't develop in their lifetimes um, what would this is a strange one I have I've thought about this recently so there's a theory there's a book called the five love languages the idea right okay so you you know what I'm talking about so I'm curious what is your love language and have you ever experienced any issues in determining other people's love languages and uh, I would just like to quickly say to people that are listening that the concept is in a relationship not just a romantic relationships but all relationships we have different needs we have different intrinsic needs we have different ways of receiving love and sometimes different ways of expressing love and for example some people's preferred method of receiving love may be words of affirmation where their partner's um, method of receiving love may be physical touch and so there's a disconnect um, I'm just curious what would you say your love language is and um, how did you find out so a good friend of mine um, recommended um, this book to read called the five love languages and I remember ordering thinking okay this is interesting and I remember reading it and then I thought wow this explains everything <laughs> So my understanding was how I um, express my love for other people, it doesn't necessarily mean that's what I need in return. So what I realize is how I tend to express my love, um, I go with one of the love languages, words of affirmation. And another thing I tend to do a lot and how I express my love is by, is pra it's being practical. What's the word for that? The, the love language? Acts of service. So I'll give you an example. If someone is hungry, I'll quickly whip up a meal. I'll cook it for them and I'll give it to them. If someone needs help um, with their um, like uh, like they need an outfit to borrow, I'll be like, "Yep, take my outfit. I'll sort you out." It's a practical approach in helping them with their needs. Okay, so my, the love language that I need physical touch right so let's just uh let's just confirm what that means yeah before any of you guys get certain ideas <laughs> i love a hug okay so if you want to come give me a hug if you want to give me a pat on the back even if you just tap me on the head even if you slap me but obviously I, 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 in form of banter yeah i will feel loved um so yeah I, it's just the simple things in a hug and a cuddle and or even a high five it, it does wonders um to my happiness um so yeah and but i still think maybe there's other parts of the love five langu love languages that i i probably need so i'm still you know trying to figure that out because i because the thing is we actually benefit from benefit from from all five languages that is the truth if someone's gonna come give me a gift i'm gonna be happy i'm like wow that's so nice if someone's gonna pay me a compliment i'm gonna blush if someone's gonna go out of their way to give me a lift to sainsbury's to do some food shopping i'll be like wow you're so nice i'll, I'll be really grateful so we all need and appreciate these love languages but there will be one that we benefit from the most and I think so far, my understanding tells me, for me, it's physical touch. Um, so yeah, so sometimes I do think 
of getting myself a pet cat. So I have a cat cuddle whenever I want and that way I don't need to put any pressure on anyone to give me a cuddle. I'll just let the cat cuddle me. <laughs> but, <laughs> but even, oh yeah, this is a bit, it's a bit separate. Um, but having pets is also really good for people suffering from anxiety and depression. It actually brings a lot of happiness. Just, um, so yeah, I'm just linking it. Yeah, yeah, pets are happy, man. Just feed them, pat, give them a pat. They're, they're happy. <laughs> Depending on the pet, of course. I think it's really important that everyone reads this book or just go online and read about it and understand a love language because it links with your psychological because we have psychological needs and I think it links with psychological needs and if we're starved of a certain psychological need we're going to act in a certain way and unless you unless you unless you don't know where your actions and your sad and your bad moods coming from um, like meaning if you don't know where it's coming from then you can't help yourself so it's really important just to learn about all these ways of expressing um, emotions so you can understand because it can prevent so many disagreements and fights so i've got a few well i have many introverted friends and there's probably times where i'm thinking okay this person's different this, this person's interesting this person's weird they you know they're they're not approaching um the friendship the way i normally would so then i i probably start i'll probably get a little bit worry thinking oh my gosh they they don't want to be my friend anymore uh, but then i realize after obviously reading this book and then or, or even having reading other books or having a conversation with them i realize that's not their way of de um, expressing um how they care about you but um they have another way so it doesn't mean people don't care it just means they don't know how to express it the same way you do because that's alien to them and it and then once you understand what their love language is you can try and cater to it so some people might find it a bit too intimidating or in your face if you're constantly saying hey i'm here like here let me go out let me do this for you let me do this for you they might find it a bit too much if you're up in their face offering to give them things that they need to borrow or offering to take them places maybe they just need some reassurance and a compliment and then that will make their day or maybe they just need a hug not like you know a cooked meal so it, it can actually really help um, um people from falling out or having um innocent um, um disagreements uh, and mis it, can, it can prevent a lot of misunderstandings because it that stuff is real man i can tell you from life experience yeah. so i know someone who whose love language is quality time i don't do that because i'm so busy trying to keep busy and i'm never in the same place at the same time because that because i i just like running about doing different things and catching up with different friends so if i want to spend quality time with someone I would probably need to plan that in advance. I wouldn't just spontaneously be like, right, I'm gonna sit down with this person and spend some quality time with them. I wouldn't spontaneously do that unless I can see something's not right and they need me. Um, so when I would constantly just be, I don't know, giving, um, giving this person um, like, I don't know. If, acts, of acts of service, yeah, that's what I kept doing. I just kept giving them acts of service. So I'll be like, 
yo i've ordered this for you or oh yeah here, here i've um, here's some food or oh yeah i'm going shopping and um, i can get it for you so i'm constantly doing acts of service but i'm never present i'm just constantly giving these items to them or helping make their life a lot more easier and then i can see like this person was really really down and then i and then after reading this book i realized oh my gosh this person does not want me just to heat up a meal that this person just wants me just to be there and i don't know watch a movie or you know just go to the park or just chill and actually have a conversation oh i oh i discovered it after reading the right reading a book so I read this book, the the Five Love Languages, and when I finished reading it, everything clicked, and everyone who I know in my life, it clicked. I was like, oh my god, this makes so much sense. This, and then I started thinking about all the people in my head that I know, and I started putting them in the categories. I was like, oh, this person's love language is that. This person's love language is that. And then I realized, oh, okay, so acts of service, which is what I give to my friends, it's not going to work for 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 some of these people. These people need me to do something that I that doesn't come naturally to me. So then I had to consciously start training myself to be like, right, I need to actually be free and be present for a long period of time and and like switch my and not even be on my phone, switch my phone off because if I'm on my phone, it doesn't count as quality time. So that that was that that it was just reading that book it made me realize because I was just thinking and analyzing the people in my life. Right, Amina. The first question is called the billboard question. Uh, credit to the Tim Ferriss show for this question. If you could write anything on a billboard in two sentences or less, uh, that could be seen by millions and millions of people, what would you write and why? I would write, don't judge a book by its cover. And the reason why I would write that is because every single person you will encounter in life, you will never ever know what they've been through. You, would, you wouldn't know their past and you wouldn't know their feelings and you wouldn't know the reasons why they are the way they are. And my advice to like, is just don't be judgmental. <laughs> yeah everyone's got a story everyone's got a past everyone has been through hardship no one is perfect and we're human we're gonna make mistakes so literally do not judge a human by its appearance or its cover or its presence it's the same concept do not judge a book by its cover it's it's such a powerful statement i believe i i can attest to that i think part of this podcast is kind of uncovering those covers of the books and I believe everyone is a book everyone is a movie waiting to happen uh, and you put it so beautifully my second question to you is again taken from another podcast called the school of greatness it's called the three truths and I just want you to imagine a time far into the future you know this day is coming and this day unfortunately is your death You've achieved everything you've wanted to achieve. Lived in every rainforest, written multiple books, inspired loads of people with your keynote speeches, amassed all the physical touch you need, and now you're surrounded by close friends and close family. For whatever reason, all your messaging, all your books or whatever you've put out there uh, is about to be erased. And so all people have to remember you by are three truths. 
three three things that you know to be true about uh, this life, about your experience in the world. Three messages, three life lessons that you'd like to share, and you've got a pen and a paper. So um, you can take your time. But what are three things that you would like to share uh, with the world, if if that's all you could share? One, cherish your friends and your family, and the and the people that come in your life. Two, don't take things for granted. Embrace and appreciate what you get given in life, and whatever you achieve in life. Three smile be happy (laughs) even when things are rough and bad just remember to smile and be happy and you can go a long way just by smiling those are three beautiful and succinct truths thank you amina i've really enjoyed this conversation we will continue it um I want to end on a high note. We, we touched some heavy subjects, love languages, and we spoke about friendships. Um, what, what gets you up in the morning? What, what keeps you hopeful? Uh, what makes you happy? What makes you smile? What do you do? What are the, some of the inspiring things that you've seen lately? What are some of the silly things that get you excited? Let's end this on a high. Okay, so the things that get me off in the morning is just <laughs> a plan. Right. A plan that I'm going to see so-and-so today. And the silly things that get me going is something I've just done recently is just make up a song for fun. Okay. Just just get any song with a good beat, which is uh, what uh, Drake, which right. I recently did. Just get a Drake song and just make your own lyrics and just sing it to a really close friend just because you know it will make them smile and it will make them laugh just being silly that's what gets me going yeah obviously not silly but but obviously like you know in a sensible way that won't get me arrested (laughs) for those of you listening there's a big difference between being silly and being stupid so (laughs) make sure you know the difference so you don't end up arrested that's nice that's nice I like the the um the song answer you're clearly someone who has been through a lot so you know a lot of people listening to this will have their highs and their lows and i am curious is there anything that you want to say to people is there a particular message that you want to leave people of any age who may be listening to this any advice okay so my advice to anyone listening to this who's been through a low but remember there is a way you can overcome it remember it's the little things and the simple things in life that can make you happy and try and come up with a solution to whatever you're going through and help yourself so focus and try and have a growth mindset be kind right put the anger aside put the ego aside and really dig deep into what is really bothering you understand yourself and once you do that you can be more productive into coming up with ideas and solutions to help you and there's nothing wrong with seeking 
help or talking to um, a close companion, someone you can trust. And also remember, you're not alone. Everyone is going through hardship. That's what makes us human and that's why it's so important to keep people around us and embrace friendships. Amazing. Anything else you want to say to people? It can be anything. Anything. It doesn't have to be an answer to my question. Wagwan! <laughs> sorry, sorry, sorry. Right. And on that note, uh, we are ending. If you're listening to this and you're wondering about the lipstick making courses, the belly dancing lessons, the Indonesian rainforest, the Silhouette Owls, the five love languages, believe me, it's all in the show notes. Whether you're listening uh, on soundcloud.com slash mohasan92 or whether you're listening on Apple Podcast, let's talk with Mohasan. I've written it all in this description. Thank you, Amina. Um, I want to thank you for, as a guest and as my friend, um, being very open. Uh, I want to thank you for going places that most people wouldn't have gone to. I want to thank you for being very vulnerable. That in itself is a strength. There were moments during this interview where I could see certain topics were still raw, they were still fresh. Um, although you have, you've come a long way, you might have maybe not processed them emotionally. And I could see that unraveling. And, you know, for someone that you've uh, reconnected with recently, but not having, having seen or spoken to in 10 years, I am honored that you have trusted me. I am honored to have you as a guest. And I am inspired. I'm inspired in how well you can tap into your emotions, how well you can kind of navigate things. Um, I'm inspired by how you make time for your friends. I'm inspired by your creativity. I'm inspired by your your um, your passion. Uh, how humble you are. You know, I don't think there are many people that can claim they're one of a hundred or so people to have seen anything, let alone uh, a Sidawesi owl in the Indonesian rainforest. And the fact that you've sustained that passion while being able to temper that and balance that with the low moments. Um, the fact that you can speak about, you know, high-level subjects such like endemic species and at the same time um, be silly and, and, and be quirky and goofy and giggle about your homemade raps or your homemade songs while listening to a Drake beat. I would like to thank you for that. So um, thank you.